What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin, with another episode of The Marin Ham Show. And today's guest, we have a journalistic journalist. He's a legend. He's been doing this for quite a bit now. His resume speaks for itself. Deputy Director of R&B and Hip Hop at Billboard, Carl Lamar. How are you, Carl? I'm well, man. I'm well. Thank you for that. Definitely uh, appreciate the nice intro. Yeah, man. I mean, shoot, you've been doing it for quite a while, so I think it's it's well deserved. You know what I mean? So, and I'm pretty sure you're just getting started. Like I, I've always had people on here, and they're you know they're legends in the game, or like they're on their way to becoming. Because you know, once you hear once you hit a certain stature in the industry, you're kind of just like you know, why stop now? Right. Right. You know what I mean, so it's it's one of those. But um, for those that don't know, who is Carl Lamar and everything? Where where are you from, and where did you grow up, and stuff like that? Yeah, man. Um, I'm originally from Long Island, from a little town called Elmont. Um, an only child. Uh, come from like Haitian background. Um, and yeah, man, came from a suburban lifestyle. Um, I spent maybe 20 years living in, in, in Long Island. Um, and I always had a passion for music, man, music and sports, music, sports and writing. Yes. You know, it's something that was instilled in me very, very young. And, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately I was able to <laughs> know my passions at a really right. early age and was able to put everything together to where we at right now, mm-hmm. honestly. It- so, but so for those that don't know, Long Island, because for me, I mean, I go to New York a lot, but Long Island, would that be part of Queens? Uh, you know what? If I wanted to use a cheat code, because uh, a lot of Long Island cats, that's the thing. We're like the neglected, we're not even a borough. We're just like the neglected part of New York. Because the right. five boroughs, you have Queens, Manhattan, Staten, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. But right. you never hear Long Island. And Long Island is actually, you know, one of the prominent parts of New York. But it always gets neglected. So, you know, when we were right. coming up, a lot of people from uh, from Long Island or mainly where I'm from, Elmont, would try to run around and say we're from Queens. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, try try to gain some kind of affiliation. That would never go well. So right. we're kind of like the forgotten, underappreciated mm-hmm. uh, part of New York. But we, mm-hmm. we got a lot of talent from out there. Right. Yeah. It's almost like Staten Island in a way. You know, they're kind of forgotten in a way, but then Wu-Tang Clan kind of keeps their name alive in a way, too. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and then, but, you know, it, it takes a ferry to go to Staten Island. <laughs> yeah. Us, you just got to take a railroad. Long Island take Railroad. The, yeah, they, yeah. I live. Yeah. I used to live by there. Yeah. And now they got the Long Island Railroad right by Madison Square Garden. Yeah, exactly. That used to be, um, um, even when I lived in Queens, I would take the railroad. It was super convenient. And hey, mm-hmm. the railroad is way cleaner than the subway. You Facts. know, it's a little more expensive, Facts. but it's, it's safer, it's cleaner, you know, it, it gets the job done. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're trying to, what the, I think they're trying to emulate uh, Long Island Railroad right by Madison Square and to Penn Station. They're trying to emulate the same thing because I, I know that there's, there's construction going on there. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, a, you can't go wrong with the railroad. Nah, nah. I mean, you can't go wrong with New York at all. Overall, <laughs> right, you, right. You, you exactly. gotta love New York. So, I mean, when I go to New York, I usually stay out in Forest Hills. Okay, yeah, Queens. Um, Queens. I used to live not too far from Forest Hills. Um, yeah. My my uh, later or early adult years, I would say, like I lived like in Jamaica, Jamaica right. Queens. I yeah. lived in um, Flushing Queens. Forest Hills, um, I saw a lot of people out there, you know, St. John's area, Thanks. you know, for, for yeah. the music has, when you, when you hear St. John's, you know, you mm-hmm. probably think of J. Cole, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so 
for us. Hell yeah, that's a dope spot. It is. I mean, it's it's like the closest because I live in I live in the DMV area. I live in the VA area and you know the suburb area. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm used to the quiet. So when I go to New York, it's like I need noise, noise, noise. But then I go to Forest Hill, and it's like super quiet. Yeah, super chill. It's, it's super chill. Super um, chill. You know. Shout out, shout out to the DMV. Yeah, yeah. Shout, yeah, shout out to DMV. I've been here for like 22 years. You know what I mean? Nice. So, I I used to go to school out there. Um, where? I, I went to school at uh, Howard for the first two years. Nice. Yeah, okay. And I have family in Maryland and Bowie. I used to go to Alexandria sometimes, go to the mall and everything. So, right, yeah, 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 yeah. DMV used to be my old stomping grounds, my college. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I live out in the northern, northern Virginia. Okay, nice. So, Nova area, pretty much. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're like the richest county in America as well, so which is baffling to me. Like, we run 80% of the internet. Sheesh. Jesus, yeah. So I need to get my bread up then. <laughs> I mean, for real, like yeah. where where Silicon Valley dubbed us data center alley. You know wow. I mean? You know, we got data centers upon data centers. You know what I mean? Wow. And it's called Ashburn, Virginia. And right there, it's like you, even during the pandemic, we grew even more. Mm. We had no like the highest I think we've had cases was like seven thousand, eight thousand. Wow. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow, because we're super clean. Like, we spend our money on roads. You know what I mean? We have so much. Like, if you want, if you're looking to, like, settle down and, like, if you're in an IT jobs, Mm -hmm. this is the perfect place. Like, when you type in .org, when you're, like, .something.org, it comes out of Virginia. Wow. I mean, that's. That's a little nugget I'm going to have to keep in my back pocket when I'm ready to settle down. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for real. But, I mean, super, like, it's, when I came here 22 years ago, it was like, because I'm from Albania originally, I'm from Europe. Okay. Uh, But when I came here, it was all forest. It was all woods. It was all, and then you saw it gradually kind of just, like, get built. Wow. Build up, build up, build up. And, like, data centers everywhere. It's like, data centers here, data centers there. And it's like. You'll never a middle class, an average middle class here makes a hundred thousand to two hundred and twenty thousand a year. That's like <laughs> for middle middle class is like a hundred thousand. Middle class, I mean, in New York, you know, people aspire just to make sixty five, seventy thousand. You know, and, and that's considered sadly like poor. You know, yeah. just to live out in New York City. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm blessed for my parents that are like, you know what, why don't we just move out here and kind of just go from here? And I was like, shoot, all right, bet, sounds good to me. But, and then I moved to New York for a little bit and I was like, yo, like I'm a young now, you know, this is New York City, mm-hmm. this is hustle and bustle, like, right. and then you come back to Virginia, it's like, nah, this is too quiet for me, it's too slow, it's too, yeah. you know what I mean? So it, you kind of have to adjust, but it, it helps you adjust when mm-hmm. to like, like if you go to LA, LA is like super chill. So I kind of have that Virginia mentality in LA. Like I need to be chill here. Mm-hmm. But when I come to New York, it's like I put this like assholeish type attitude in. I was like, it's time to be an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you know, so. that, that's for, I, I'm 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 rarely much the asshole, and uh, you right. know the only time I'm an asshole is probably I used to work in um our offices used to be in the Times Square area, so right. I would probably turn into asshole mode trying to get in and out of work because the, the tourists would just be all over the place. And, you know, when, when you're in New York in the city, you're trying to just get to where you need to go. And mm-hmm. the tourists are just lollygagging, taking photos. You don't got time for that shit. So that's why I'm kind of like mm-hmm. bumping into people. I'm like, Thanks. you know, 
I'm trying to get the hell home. <laughs> Facts. I mean, I, I remember one time I was walking down the subway and I just moved to New York in like 2011 when I went to film school. Mm-hmm. And I had the Virginia mentality. I walk in really slow, taking your time. And then some guy was like, yo, can you walk any fucking faster? Like, mm. can you walk any slower? And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Wow. I got to keep it moving here. And I went to, back to Virginia and I everything, I became that guy, like staying at Starbucks line, like, yo, can we hurry this thing up? Like, and one lady was wow. like, one lady was like, yo, are you from here? I was like, yeah, I'm from here. She's like, yeah, but you don't seem like it. He's like, oh, because I live in New York. She's like, that's why you got to, you got to tone it down a little bit. I was like, that's right. So adjusting is very, it's, it's got to adjust it, man. So it's, but you got to love it. Like I always tell people like, never raise your kids in New York city. If you mm. want to raise your kids, raise your kids like somewhere quiet, somewhere peaceful. And then when they get to their like teenager or like their 20s, then have them move to the city. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I've been living in Jersey the last three years. Um, yeah. Intentionally, you know, one, it's cheaper out here. Facts. Um, and then going back to what I was saying about working in the city. For me, living in the suburbs originally, like I always appreciated that that calmness. Mm-hmm. So even when I was like in again, like my mid twenties, late twenties, uh, moving out of Long Island, I still wanted some kind of suburbia feel, but also little hints of the city. So I I stationed myself in Queens, mm-hmm. but it got to the point where it got so expensive, and I was like, shit, shit. I. I, I <laughs> I, I got to figure out like a middle ground and, Facts. you know, Jersey ended up being that for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I live in, uh, I live in West New York and, um, it's pretty, it's pretty quiet, man. You know, it's chill. Mm-hmm. It's not expensive. It's nice as shit. It's by Edgewater and it's, it's Facts. 15 minutes away from the city. Yeah. 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 I was going to say it's so, like 20, 20 to 15 minutes. Yeah. But I hear the tax is high as hell in New Jersey. Man, I wouldn't know because <laughs> I'm running out of condo. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I, I'm not worried about property taxes just yet. Right. It's funny because I remember my accountant was telling me I was getting like killed for taxes when I was living in the city versus out here. So I haven't experienced any crazy taxes Man. on that front. Thanks. Um, so, but going back to your point, yeah. I mean, you know, when the time comes for me to have kids, I definitely, you know, I, I wouldn't, New York wouldn't be a top choice for me. No. You know, I, I have family and friends, obviously, but again, just knowing that I'm 15 minutes and I'm just over the tunnel, um, it makes it easier to still see them when I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but down the road, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's why I'm trying to work crazy right now, like a madman. So 10 years from now, I can have an early retirement mm-hmm. and just freaking live and I don't know, um, Mm-hmm. like west palm beach or something you know? <laughs> yeah, facts. Facts. Have that. yeah that sunny life pretty much exactly. yeah, yeah yeah and now growing up uh what were some of your inspirations whether it was music you mentioned writing and all that stuff what were some of your yeah. biggest inspirations i mean when i was younger um i always say this man um i give i give homage to uh school jackson he was a um sport he's a sports journalist he mm-hmm. was like uh the editor-in-chief of Slam Magazine. Um, before I got into music, I was a huge sports fan. I mean, I still am a sports fan. My, my my passion was basketball. And, you know, again, me loving writing, I, I was reading a lot at a very young age. Like, I'm sure you you probably remember the highlights books yes. that we would get as kids. And mm-hmm. I would get highlights mailed to me along with Slam Magazine. 
every mm-hmm. every month and you know my my reading and writing um got significantly better just you know through reading both of those um and then i started watching a bit more sports on tv like sports center rip stuart scott you know just his delivering how he was able to deliver the news i thought was pretty dope and from the music side um i gravitated very much to Pac and big you know even though i'm 33 i'm 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 i, I came a shade late you know from that mm-hmm. class um my cousins and they 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 would have the cassettes you know like all eyes on me ready to die mm-hmm. um and just bump it in the house to where you know obviously you, you're gonna see and imitate what what what, what your family does and, yes. and, and and who they cling on to and i very early on clung to those too mm-hmm. strongly and then obviously later on as i got older you know blueprint became one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. uh still um high school years i'm thinking about like food and liquor you know lupe fiasco um yes. you know I, I i was very big into lyricism mm-hmm. you know um and when i realized that i could package my love for music for writing sports and and try to make a career out of it i just mm-hmm. ran with that and, and mm-hmm. took off so pretty much like because you mentioned you were 33 and i'm the same age mm-hmm. so for you and i pretty much like that whole nas and jay-z beef was a big thing yeah man it, it's funny too like uh with king's disease dropping a day i don't know yeah if yeah yeah the the thun record uh, a lot of people making uh comments about nas speaking on the beef back then i mean yeah. i was it, i was conflicted man because you know I remember my friend lent me his, uh, he used to lend me his CDs a lot. I would never give him back. Facts, <laughs> yes. he, he, he let me his, uh, he let me blueprint. And I remember, man, I love the shit out of that album, mm-hmm. you know, and takeover was, was, uh, it was scathing, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember, um, hot 97 when, when Nas came back with the ether record, um, Jay, I think it was Angie Martinez. I remember we were still in school and Angie would come on around three o'clock. And I remember she was like, Yeah, you know, we we got the super ugly disc ready to go from Jay. Mm-hmm. We're about to play it. And, you know, obviously radio was such a huge component. Yeah. You know, in our lives and everything that you had to catch everything on radio. So we would have like little radios and boom boxes like just mm-hmm. sitting outside the lockers waiting to hear jay's uh rebuttal but yeah that, that was just a moment you know what i'm saying and i picked up rapping just from those two you know um because again those those two guys man they're, they're rap heroes they're you know masterclass mcs when it comes mm-hmm. to lyrics um and just to see two titans go at it but you know they're in a place now where it's all love and you know, they were able to make it out. It's crazy because now when you have beef today, unfortunately, it ends up in, in, in some kind of violence, you know, and thankfully that wasn't the case of those two. Like it, mm-hmm. it was it was very, you know, acrimonious, you know, but it, it was mainly on wax to where nobody mm-hmm. got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was a lyrical thing mostly. And, you know, yeah. and I, I remember watching a Drink Champs interview with Steve Stout, and apparently mm-hmm. Steve Stout said that Nas 
had re- had done another ether song, but he had finished it. And then, but after Steve Stout hearing Takeover, he went to Nas. He was like, "Nah, bro, you gotta you gotta redo that whole ether uh-huh. thing. You you gotta redo it because apparently in the first ether song." He had something about like this is when like Beyonce and Jay Z were first starting to like dabble with each other, and it was mm-hmm. and they were like yeah, something about like I'll have your girl drinking, I'll have you drinking your girl's period juice or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Stout was like, Nah, but you got to go harder because he heard Takeover. Mm-hmm. He's like, Bro, nah, you gotta. So I, I wonder if they still have that that first ether ether you know what i mean the original original ether. yeah i mean there, there were a lot of you know slick disses in between man like you know people forget jay did a freestyle to got yourself mm-hmm. got yourself a gun mm-hmm. you know and Nas was throwing little pot shots um here and there and it's crazy like i think about it now you know and i and, I, and i've said this countless times um i i, I was team ether when I was younger, but when nice. you listen to Takeover now, and you know, Nas joked about it in the in the in the in the Thun record that came out on Kings Disease Three. Like when you listen to Takeover, like Jay was really throwing down, man. Like Nas was throwing some shots, you know, about how Jay loved taking Tabo classes, but 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 Hove was coming with some shit, man. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of people forget, man, the the post disc records, man, like. When when Nas had Last Real Nigga Alive on Godson, and when Jay did the Blueprint Two record, and they were just, that was like the post battle, um, yeah, 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 records. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, man, like they came hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They delivered hard on that. In some cases, yeah. where it kind of was harder than the actual disc records. Um, and, and that man, I can't say like I, we we've we've seen uh, a battle like that. You know, to this day, I mean, sure, you could bring up Drake and Pusher, you know, but that was very short lived. It was very short lived. Yeah. No, this was this was taken to me because, I mean, Jay took it to a port where he said, uh, me and the boy AI got more in Carmen than this balling and rhyming. Yeah, Get it more in Carmen. Carmen. It's like, yeah. It's like, wait, that's baby mama. Like, yeah. The low blow was crazy. Yeah, and it's like you, you, it's like you found condoms in your baby, baby seat. You was kissing mm-hmm. your bitch when you was kissing. It was like mm-hmm. you was kissing my dick when you was kissing and, her lips. And, I was like, and, and 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 freaking Hove's mom made him get on the radio and apologize. Mm-hmm. Like like that's how scathing, you know the the uh, the the super ugly record was, man. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, but but Ether was like. Pop should apologize, homie. Just mm-hmm. ask Kiss. Yeah. It was like, yo. No, he so. had shit on there, man. Nas, and it's funny because Nas was on the ropes, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, people were, you know, saying shit. It'd been a while since he delivered a real timeless album. I mean, he was coming off first two albums, obviously classics with um, Illmatic. It was written, mm-hmm. but then he kind of drifted a little bit. Nostradamus, but man, you know. Still Matic to this day, and and I and that's why I say like when you think about the battle and in, in a deeper sense, forget the records, the albums that those records lived on, to me are one of the best hip hop albums mm-hmm. ever made, and and I'm talking about Blueprint and Still Matic, like that battle for A pluses, A plus mm-hmm. efforts out of both of those MCs. Wasn't there like an offer? I think it was like. Uh, the judges were gonna be Russell Simmons and a bunch of others. We're gonna do like a battle one on one. I do remember hearing that. Yeah, 
I, yeah. I do remember hearing I that. do. It was like a $2 million battle or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. I mean, and then the, the, but the thing about it was, it was the, remember they did that interview together after the beef? That was a big interview with Sway. Yeah. I want to say this was probably when they did, when Jay did the, um, the I Declare War concert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they dapped up on stage and, Ended the beef right then and there. Yeah, that was maybe like oh six, oh six. Yeah, oh six, oh seven. Yeah, oh six, oh seven. And and, yeah. and I think from that point, um, I think Nas ended up signing the Def Jam. Hope became president. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, that was that was that was a crazy time. Yeah, crazy, crazy time. And I mean, when you think about Blueprint, Ghetto Fabulous came out the same day as Blueprint. Oh one. Mm-hmm. But nobody really paid attention to that because this beef was so prominent. It was like. It was fabulous, mm-hmm. but fabulous already had was making a mark. Yeah, I mean, Fab was doing his thing with Clue, yeah. man. He's uh, these freestyles he was putting out, and he really found his pocket and his groove, you know, with mm-hmm. Lil Mo that that that's Superwoman record, and you know, he came out with his hits, freaking Holla Back, Young and Can't Deny yeah. It. You know, both. I mean, even though whole had a lot of traction. I mean, they both kind of were, were affected by 9-11. So, yeah. you know, when, when the, when the, when the towers went down that day. Um, but I think, yeah, Fab, man, he, he's another one that's one of my favorite rappers, mm-hmm. man. He, he embodies consistency and, longe- and longevity. Like, mm-hmm. his, his pen is still one of the sharpest uh, today to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, going back to the journalism, what mm-hmm. so what do you what would you say your top five publications or your top five journalists are? Um, I'll probably do publications. Um, just in like overall back then. Over overall. Uh, I mean, I gotta throw the home team in there. You know, even like we're not hip hop, but we're just music. Uh, Billboard. Um. I got to throw hip hop game for what they were able to do in the blog era. Like they were one of the first few sites that came in and just dominated, you know, the web without even having a, a, a real foundation from a publication standpoint, you know, like how double XL source vibe, they all pivoted to the dot com. Uh, hip hop game didn't have that, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, they just came from the bottom. Um, and, really dominated that era i would also say hip-hop dx um and i'm talking about like when they were at their peaks at their prom hip-hop dx to me had probably one of the best reviews when it came down to just hip-hop albums um you know that's where they got their staple and their bread and butter um you gotta throw double xl in there you know for what mm-hmm. they were able to do i mean you got a lot of people that came from that tree elliot wilson mm-hmm um Daytuan Thomas they, they got a, got a lot of hitters Bonsu Thompson that uh helped double XL get off the ground and running I mean I think about that 50 Dre and M cover assist freaking Thomas mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there um and then I would probably say I'll throw in another magazine since I went to two online places I'll probably throw in um I'll probably throw in Vibe I throw in vibe because they were able to make sure R and B got 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 a a dope amount of love, you know, mm-hmm. in a place where it was so hip hop driven in the '90s that 
you know, they made sure to to cover artists like like, like Aaliyah and Janet Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. Quincy Jones was the founder. You know what I'm saying? Nice. So for Quincy being able to pivot and, and and make a publication like Bob, and again, a lot of people came from that tree. You know, mm-hmm. Danielle Smith, the wife of Elliot, Dave Juan Thomas, another one, Kevin Powell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Rob Kenner, uh, Sean Fennessy. It's, it's just timeless legendary editors and writer that, that mm-hmm. came from that brand. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Elliot Wilson came from the source and then he moved to double XL. Elliot, Elliot, uh, I want to say, yeah, Elliot did the source. He, he did the source and he also did double XL. He was all over yeah. the place. All over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. His time was moving. Yeah. Cause I remember I interviewed Dave Mays, the, the founder of the source. And he was like, yeah, like we, I can't remember what that was. He, yeah, he said that Elliot Wilson kind of started with them in a way. Yeah, because I remember Elliot, there's a couple of reviews I remember Elliot did. I know El, I was actually reading one of his old reviews, I want to say it's probably last week, and it was about, uh, he did um, In My Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I want to say he, he gave it, he gave it four, no, he gave it four mics? I think he gave it four mics. And I remember yeah. like they, they did Reasonable Doubt, and he gave it four, mm-hmm. and then later they went back and changed it to five. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the source is also like, it's an outside looking in, if I had to throw one more in, just because of the you know, the five mic system. Five, yeah, you know? the five mic system. Yeah. And I think Elmatic was the first one that got five mics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a few of them that got that. I want to say, I feel like Kim's hardcore got like five mics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would, I would probably say those, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I say this in every interview, but when you think about, you know, who was at the, at the heart of everything, you know, back then and now, you know, I, I would, be remiss not to mention rap radar again elliot you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. he's been in the mix for damn near 30 years facts yeah. you know and, and that's the the journalist out there the music journalist you know that's that's the real blueprint that you want to follow like mm-hmm. i always i always have said you know i take a little bit of sauce from every writer and mm-hmm. use it to kind of make it my own and to make my own sauce and i'd be i'd be lying if i if i said like that i I didn't there weren't some pieces Mm -hmm. of l that i tried Mm -hmm. to emulate Mm -hmm. you know and i'm grateful that he's been able to support me through it during time i mean for me it's like i started this podcast out of the women 2020 and know nothing Mm -hmm. about journalism so every time i interview a journalist or some of that i was like i gotta bring my a game because these Mm -hmm. are people that know their shit that way and they can automatically tell whether you're a good journalist or not, just from off the bat, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, you know, you having worked with so many prominent media and magazines and brands such as XXL, Complex, even Pepsi, mm-hmm. what is something you have learned that you still apply today? Um, I would probably say just staying, staying hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's funny because um, despite I guess my position or where I'm at right now in my career, I, I still have the mindset of being a young journalist, a hungry freelancer looking for a job, you know, and I say that, you know, thankfully you were able to come and see what we've been able to do with the debut. But I say mm-hmm. that because, you know, the debut really reminded me that, um, and that's why I'm always humble that, that, you know, you can't always get what you want. You know, working at Billboard and, you know, thankfully with my resume, I've been able to secure a lot of interviews, know a lot of people. But when you remove that tag, and this is why I always tell people, you know, don't don't associate 
you know, don't 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 let a brand dictate, you know, what you bring to the table. Right. Because, you know, you may think you're that guy, that girl, but then, you know, if you strip away that billboard title, you strip away that Rolling Stone title, um, you might not be as popping as you think you are. And, you know, I kind of went through that putting together the debut live, you know, as far as trying to get certain guests, you know, working at Billboard, it would be an automatic yes, you know, if it was for the Billboard platform. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But, you know, putting together the show, trying to get guests, there was a point where we had trouble locking in people and not because, you know, they didn't fuck with the show, but more so it was skepticism. Like, okay, we kind of got to see what you can do. We know what you can do, mm-hmm. but we kind of want to see the show grow. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't let that bother me. I didn't, I didn't let that, you know, slow down my grind and it just forced me to be hungry and go 10 times hard and try to prove to people that we have something that's super valuable mm-hmm. that you don't want to miss out on. And that you're gonna want to get on now, <laughs> but, you know. And, Facts, yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, you know, the last few weeks we kind of been like a a robust locomotive, getting guests every week. You know, mm-hmm. to where we just had Busta Rhymes this week. Mm-hmm. You know, like now we're locking in icons. You know, we got people already giving us yes for season two. So to go back to your question. Those other publications and those stops taught me to always stay hungry and stay humble. humble. Yeah. You know, despite your circumstances. Right. I mean, I noticed when I went to the debut with uh, with the baby mm-hmm. and I didn't even know what I was walking into because nobody like I just got invited. Shout out to Alexandria. Mm-hmm. I just I just got invited. So, yeah, just come through, you know, and I had Alexandria in the previous episode of my podcast. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yeah, come through. And it was like. I don't even know what I'm walking into, but then I mm-hmm. saw Arnold Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I That's know. a good brother. Yeah, shout out to Arnold. Yeah, shout out to Arnold. And I was like, okay, I know exactly who's going to appear. And then I noticed the baby was like super chill, super like calm, super. But mm-hmm. then I noticed that he was very chill around you. And I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. that's what you call relationships. Mm, yeah, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I mean, like, you know, a baby. And I know he gets a bad rap, you know, for yeah. what what's been going on, mm-hmm. on on the media side. But it's like what you said, it's relationships. You know, I was there at his peak in 2019, you know, mm-hmm. when Baby on Baby came out, when Suge came out, when Kurt came out. Mm-hmm. And the dude was like a freaking avalanche. And, you know, I was his first cover story, you know. We gave him uh, our R&B hip-hop power players. Uh, cover for 2019 we dubbed him the rookie of the year and him and i developed such a relationship you know he developed such a trust for me that ever since then anytime we see each other anytime we speak it's always love it's like yo whatever you need i got you and it goes back to what you said relationships you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying because again th- they were calls that i used to be able to make when I was, I mean, I'm still a billboard, but obviously I'm saying like just on the billboard cap alone, like, yeah, like I need this for billboard. I get it right then and there. But when it comes to now, nah, this is for my brand. This is for the debut live. Right. Yeah. I They weren't picking up like that. So that's why this season one has been so crucial and pivotal to what we're trying to do. And, you know, I'm able to tap into those re- relationships because that's the one thing about me and people will tell you i'll never ask for anything i've never have asked for anything mm-hmm. 
up until now is kind of like I'm using my favorite card. Like, yo, can you look into this show? Tell me what you think. We love to have your artists. And right. now it's to a point where I don't even have to do that. Now we're getting hit up. Like, yo, we want to do the debut live. What is it going right. to take to be on the show? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it's always key to not only have strong relationships, but to right. maintain them, the water them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because again, like relationships are. People are like, oh, money this, money that. I'm like, yeah, but like you could do one thing with that person, but then it's like, okay, I did this interview with somebody. Cool. What's next? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I want to build this relationship. It's not, it's important to keep longevity relationships. It's, it's like, you can't just be like, all right, one and done interview. I'm done with you. Goodbye. Uh-huh. You can't uh-huh. do that because the industry is such a small industry. People will uh-huh. know who you are automatically. As far as, as big as this industry is, it's pretty small. Everybody knows everybody. Like when you when you look at these events and these parties, like the French Montana B Day, mm-hmm. the people that attended, I've met half of those people personally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, but other people don't know who I am in that. But if I were to go in that party, it would be so comforting for me because I've already built these relationships mm-hmm. with people. So it's very important, you know what I mean. And then one person can lead to another. Exactly. Easily. Exactly. You know what I mean. That's why I say it's important too, man, to to protect your brand, to protect your legacy, you know. And mm-hmm. when you go into these rooms, you know, you want to make sure you have the cleanest slate, the right. cleanest brand as you know as possible. Mm-hmm. Because one little you know fuck up or or situation could sully your reputation, mm-hmm. and 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 it's hard to bounce back. It's that's not it's not to say that you can't. But it's hard to bounce back, and that's why yeah. I, I treat people with love, respect, and admiration, mm-hmm. no matter what title you know you have. Like I don't look at people as titles, you Facts. know. What I'm yes, I, I I look at the character mm-hmm. before anything. I don't look at the followers. Mm-hmm. I, I I I look at you know your heart. I look at I look at your mind. I look at who you are as a person, mm-hmm. you know. And then I use I use that to decide, you know, where I want the relationship mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the industry is kind of like high school. Oh, very much, very much. I, I I saw like I saw a post that my that my homegirl put this week. It's funny. She was like, "Yo, you can tell who wasn't who you could tell who was cool in high school. You get to hear, and then you can tell who wasn't cool and mm-hmm. just became cool because of the industry or the jobs they got. Anything they the shit." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and and it's mm-hmm. funny i, I you know I, I think about that because i'm like yo if you look at me back in high school man i was i was like i was like the not i'm not gonna say i was a nerd in high school but i was like an ap kid who right. was kind of like a herb i can i can admit that like mm-hmm. um but i still keep like the essence of who i am is still that Thanks. kid from high school mm-hmm. despite who i know despite what i've been able to do Mm-hmm. At the heart of who I am, like mm-hmm. my career doesn't define me as a person. You know, I'm, I'm still yeah. that same kid from high school yeah. from Alma. You know, that be yeah. so. I mean, same here. Like in high school, like yeah. for me, when I went to the uh, hip hop was like my thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Anybody would mention an artist, I would I would give them a history lesson on it. Like, yo, bro, mm-hmm. we don't want to hear that. But in the long run, I'm like, yeah, but I know who's an executive. I know who's this. I know who works behind the scenes. So if mm-hmm. I were to ever be in the industry, I know exactly who to tap into. Right. You know, and, and now people are like, yeah, like, yo, like, damn, like you weren't that popular in high school. But like, I see you doing your thing out there. It's like, if you know the history of something or or some or someone, you'll be able to go far. A thousand percent. So, I, agree. 
Yeah, so it's 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 definitely one of those. But yeah, like it's the industry's so small, it's like, damn, man, like everybody knows everybody. You gotta come correct. That's yeah. the thing. You have to come correct. You can't just be flaky. You have to you have to come correct at a at a, at a thousand percent easily. Uh, now, outside of everything that you do, what are some hobbies you like to do? Man, um, I love I love again. I mentioned it earlier. I love watching sports, playing sports. Um, I'm a writer all across the board, um, so I love doing music. I, I rap. You know, um, I have a project that I I've been done with. You know that I I need to put out. I think we're looking at uh, February to put it out. Um, my mixtape. I love working out. I love reading. I love trying new food. I'm a foodie at heart, so I love going mm. to restaurants. You know, and just chilling with my people, man. Like I'm I'm really a homebody. You know, and that's the thing right. about this industry, man. And and I laugh a lot because I always ask people, "What are you in it for?" You know, and a lot of people. Um, they want to be around the stars. They want to go to the events and everything. And people are shocked when I tell them, like, I've been doing this for 15 years, you know, and I really consider myself at this point, you know, I don't want to say the old head, but, you know, I, I pride myself in being that veteran and that OG for the youngins coming in looking for advice and everything. I, I get so much joy just being home. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'll go to an event, you know, to show face and show love and, you know, pay respects and homage and everything and just to, you know, be in the mix. Um, but I'm very big on protecting, you know, my mental health and, and right. knowing the importance of hitting that recharge button. You know, like for instance, shit, like Nas, he's having his release party tonight, you know, and his manager hit me like, are you coming? And I said, I'm going to try. But realistically, I'm probably going to be home because I've been busting my ass working Thanks. on my vacation. And, you know, things like that would be alluring to me, you know, 25, 26. But now it's also like I, I know that I need to have that balance and right. I need to yeah. know how to say no sometimes. Yeah. You know, and that's something I'm still working on to this day. I mean, it goes back to the relationship thing. You know, you mm-hmm. already build this relationship with the manager. It's not like you have to attend mm-hmm. every single right. event. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like you could grab a coffee or a lunchtime with this manager at one point. You know, it's yeah. not a it's not an end all be all like, yo, I gotta go because I gotta build my da da da. It's it's something else for somebody that's trying to enter the realm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because events are a major thing. If you want to tap into industry, go to the events. Yeah, and you know, I I look at that. It's dope that you say that, man. Because I I kind of certain things, man. I used to chase. And I used to feel like I need to be involved right. or I need to be here mm-hmm. just to show people. And man, my whole mentality did a 180 to where it's like, okay, if I won't go, let me send it to somebody that I know would enjoy and appreciate Facts. and let them build memories. You know, mm-hmm. like I used to, I still have a very competitive drive. That's just who I am. But, you know, the last few years, my mentality changed to where my goal now is to empower people mm-hmm. is to empower others is to give others opportunities to either make connections to make money or to use whatever you know i give them as a stepping stone to where they want to go mm-hmm. that's that's the the real joy of what i get now you know even with 
you know, the debut live that me and Drea got, like, you know, I tell her all the time, I want to make this a fucking real super huge franchise to where I can, you know, hire my friends. And thankfully, I've, thankfully I've been able to do that so far, like hire my friends for their skill sets. Facts. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And put them in rooms and positions that they may have not even dreamed of. Like, it's not mm -hmm. cool being the only person who's out here maybe eating and doing all this dope shit. Nah, I'm, I, I want to bring my people with me. I want to, you know, showcase their talents and their skills, you know, make sure they get their just due and flowers, mm -hmm. you know. It's more fun when, when everybody can be involved. You've been involved, yeah. Now, you actually made a perfect segue for that. Uh, what's the best advice you can give to someone trying to enter the realm that you, like you did? Don't, 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 don't let the word no take you off track. You know, I know sometimes when we hear the word no or, you know, this is impossible or, we don't hear that immediate response or answer that we need. We automatically give up and we're so quick to, I guess, put our dreams to the wayside. The one thing that I'll say that I appreciate about my journey, no matter who got in my ear, was that I was relentless to the dream. I was, I was so locked in, man. Bro, I was like a super duper senior. And the reason why, it's not obviously because I wasn't smart, but because I would cut classes to go do interviews. Mm -hmm. You know, my mm -hmm. focus was, okay, I'm going to do what the fuck I got to do until y'all let me in this motherfucker. And then when I'm in this motherfucker, I'm going to establish myself and be one of the best in here no matter what. Like there were times my parents gave me advice on possibly switching careers. There were times where I thought about giving up, you know, um, but I would also have pep talks and say, you got one foot in. Like I would literally, obviously you have 10 toes, right? So I would be like, I, I would measure my success or where I'm at just looking at my toes. Like, all right, you like three toes in right now. Yeah. You just need two more to be one foot in this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Once you get that one foot in, yo, you just need one more foot. And and you, and then you're really in this motherfucker. Easily. And, you know, I, 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 I understanding the sacrifices that come with it too, man. I, 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 there was a lot of free assignments that I took. There's a lot of assignments that at the time, you know, I could have just been like, I'm too good for it. I didn't think about it like that. I took on any and every. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that it was eventually going to pay off to get to where I needed to go. I mean, you, you never know where it could take you. You never, Absolutely. You never know where it could take you. Like, I remember watching, um, what's that documentary with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine? Oh, yeah, the um, the something ones. It, 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 it's, it, the ones chosen, are at the end. The something, it's chosen, something ones. Yeah, something ones is at one. the end. Yeah, ones is at the end. I know yeah. what you're talking about. HBO, yeah. Yeah, and then there was a part where Jimmy Iovine got called in. I think it was like a holiday. It was like a Christmas holiday or something like that where uh, the engineer for that session wasn't going to be in there. So they called Jimmy Iovine out of nowhere. And then in that session was John the Lennon. The Defiant Ones. The Defiant Ones. Yeah, the Defiant mm -hmm. Ones. There you go. And then John Lennon was in that session. Mm -hmm. And that's when everything opened the doors for Jimmy Iv. I remember, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you, it's sometimes that that even though it's a holiday, it's that risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I, I've taken, hmm, taken a lot, a lot of risk, man. And you know, sometimes it didn't pay off. But I'm also the type of dude, man. I, I'm a what if, man. That right. that what if is so, it could be so demoralizing, you know, and it could paralyze you a little bit. Where you're like, yo, what? What if I took that chance? You never know what's on the other side of the door, mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, some risk may have not paid off, but when you look at the ones that did, you realize, shit, <laughs> I, I, I did a pretty good job in following my gut. Mm-hmm. And just getting out of the house and going for it. Exactly. Pretty exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, journalism has changed drastically over the years you know with the social media with all of the you know internet and all that where do you see it going 10 years from now what's your thoughts on that man it's it's interesting you know i'm grateful to say that i'm in a position where i still work for a print publication Mm -hmm. you know there's not a lot of print magazines anymore because everybody's going digital um, I think we see it now where like a lot of news is just being read and reported via social media now. Mm-hmm. And there's times I fall victim to it to where, you know, you go down your timeline and you see a post that gives you the headline and you see the caption for the story and that suffices as your news reading for the day. You know, Thanks, so yeah. um, I do still think like websites obviously are going to be around, but the way we receive news I think it's going to change, you know, versus when we were coming up, obviously, like you see, like, I'm sure it's the same thing. You'll get a notification on your phone that somebody died. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like versus you literally going, typing in a website. You mm-hmm. don't have to do that anymore. The way we, we receive news is so quick, but it sucks mm-hmm. because what's being fucked up in the process is the way the news is being told. And it's being yes. reported. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are racing to just get a story up and not fact check and do the proper reporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's, know, it's so almost it's become it's, a, it's become greedy, like the DMX thing. You know, people thought he died. You know what's so crazy about that, man? I remember um, when I was being reported, and I was so livid, man, because I was I was working on the story. I, I wrote the obit for X, and I sat on it. For like a week and a half, because if you remember, it was a lot of back and forth as to whether mm-hmm. he died or not. Mm-hmm. And I was in contact with the team the whole time. And it just mind fucked me because how reckless people were with their reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, this is somebody's life, Thanks, a man. man's family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is going through this process and having to deal with the fact that the news is reporting that, you know, their dad or their brother, their uncle or whoever has passed when that's mm-hmm. not even the case, you know, and that's why, you know, I, I pride myself, man, to this day on doing the work, doing the proper reporting, you know, having a, the due diligence and the, and the mindset to reach out to the right people. Right. Yeah. It's, before it's, just reporting anything. Mm-hmm. It's important. I feel like the roles have reversed where, you get your news first on social media and then it pops on TV later. Absolutely, because it's a race to, it's to, a race, to see yeah. mm-hmm. who can get that first hit and, 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 and watch it go viral. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stories that I broke 
But in the midst of that, I had no problem holding on to the story because I wanted to make sure I got it right, make sure I got the details right versus right. just getting it up first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's almost become a little selfish of the media. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a thing where, and it goes back to just social media, right? It's like, a thing yeah. where, like, the responsibility would be to the readers, but now a lot of it is just for self, for self-gain, for self-purpose. Mm-hmm. You it's, know, it's um, how can I break this first and get my shit to go viral? Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I, nev- I never think about virality. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if, 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 and I've had a lot of my stories go viral. If they go viral, that's just off chance. You know, thank you for that. You know what I'm saying? But my, when, I, when I do my stories, when I do my reporting, my interviews, it's never like what's going to be that, that clickbait or what's right. going to reel yeah. people in. Yeah. I, I'm just a storyteller at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, all, it's all a numbers game now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's why the creativity nowadays is weakened and yeah. has diminished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the same as same as an A and R, you know, an A and R nowadays mm-hmm. they don't look at like the talent anymore. They look at how many followers you got, mm-hmm. what's the what's your traction like, what's your yeah. what's your who who do you what's your you know what I mean your um, what do you call that the your target audience? What's your mm-hmm. you know and, and, and you know social media dictates that. Yeah, I in mean, a way, so we're in an era, man. Like it's not about soul food anymore. Everybody wants that microwavable content. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're, that fifteen minutes of fame has literally become fifteen minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a thousand percent. I agree. You know, in your last week's news. Now, you know, Kanye was all over the news for the past, what, like two, three weeks, mm-hmm. and then people just moved on. The elections, the midterms happened. Mm-hmm. And everybody became a politician for a week. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then takeoff passed away. You know what I mean, that whole takeoff situation, and then people started making different news, different stories, different. You know what I mean? What's next week going to bring? Mm-hmm. You it's, never. It's a lot, it's, and it's and it's and it's overwhelming at times. Yeah, it's a lot to consume. So it's you got to pick and choose. You have to be extra picky now with what you take in because mm-hmm. it's, it's in your face. You wake up to it. The first thing you do when you wake up is you pick up your phone. A thousand percent, yeah. So, and you go to social media, especially if you're a journalist. That mm-hmm. must be something for you. It's like, what's what's you must be like head on to it. Like, what's what's next? What what do I have to write about today? What do I have right. to talk about today? So it's it could be overwhelming, you know. But uh, but uh, now, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? It's funny because I used to ask that question a lot in my early interviews. I would say, which song is a soundtrack to your life right now? Um, it's like the roles have reversed here a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's tough, man. I would probably say three songs. Can I pick three albums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works as well. Yeah. Um I feel like I feel like right now this is my um I feel like this is my nothing was the same moment, you know, um, with Drake. Um I say that because, you know, 
pride and nothing was uh, the same. He amassed so much success. But you knew he still had more to give. Mm -hmm. You know, and he was just getting started. And, you know, despite me being at this point in my career and being able to fortunately have some success, I still feel like I haven't touched my pinnacle. Um, so that's why I, I say that album. I would probably say... Mm, I would probably say King's Disease mm. um, with Nas. Because, you know, again, uh, even though like I'm still I'm still young at 33, you know, I've turned out so much articles in my life, interviews in my life. You know, I still everybody has, you know, and I I hate using this word, but everybody has haters or some detractors. And they kind of like wonder, yeah, is he ever going to fall off? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and Nas with, with King's disease, man, he proved that he can continue to reinvent himself mm-hmm. despite putting 15, 20 years in already, you know, and he sounds as clean as ever, sharper as ever. And he sounds good even collaborating with new people. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't sound washed up. D- exactly. He doesn't sound washed. He doesn't sound dated. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just blend in with today's times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one I would probably say, I gotta, th- I gotta throw Jay here somehow. <laughs> and I'm gonna, you know, and I'm just gonna say Blueprint only because I feel like now I, I, I'm in a position where I, I'm still working on my Blueprint, but I have somewhat of a sketch. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of young writers looking to break in the game on how to do it, everybody's path and journey is going to be different, you know. But like I said, even with me, when it came to my idols and role models, there was a little bit of sauce that drew me into who they are that helped me flesh out my identity as a writer, Mm -hmm. you know. And I feel like I've done enough so far to where people, and I've had writers tell me this too, like there's certain moves that I've made or just my writing style or even just how I interview that they take and implement into their craft and make it their own. And just for that is, I'm humbled by that, but I still know there's still more work to do to really Mm -hmm. fine tune and make that blueprint the ultimate blueprint Mm -hmm. um, going forward. Mm-hmm. And then you just made another perfect segue because my next question is: How would you describe your style of journalism? Mm. I feel like all across the board, man. I feel like with everything I do, I, I'm just a natural storyteller. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, I, I always pride myself in doing the homework, doing the research, um, and treating every interview and every interviewee with, with care, you know, um, I love telling stories. I love providing color. Um, and I love giving people a reason to 
pick up an article and read nowadays because mm-hmm. guys like we just said nobody really likes to read anymore but i still get joy out of just writing you know as right. much as i do interviewing you know because the way you could move a pen man the way and that's why i love hip-hop man and the way you put words together it's, it's a gift man like right. when you hear yeah. somebody poetic like an andre 3000 you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just string words together like i still get joy out of string of words together and you know i mean i have a cover story coming out next week you know that i can't wait for people to read and it really flexes that pen you know and that's why i take pride man as a journalist overall like i i made it a priority if i if i had to say the one thing that i pride myself in as a journalist is making sure i fill in every motherfucking box i check every box across the board like yeah i'm at a point thankfully in my career where i do radio now Mm -hmm. you know i I got my show um uh, with the debut live of the talk uh, the talk show host Uh, i'm doing podcasts Mm -hmm. um and that all came just from me writing you know and I, I pride myself in checking in all the boxes and making sure that I could be elite and perform at my peak mm-hmm. at each one of those levels. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also the the research part you mentioned. You know, yeah. that, that's a crucial part for journalism. And you you can find yourself where you do so much research to where you interview somebody. You're like, wait, where'd you find that piece of article? Oh man, it, it's I've gotten that a bunch of times, and I and I oh, love yeah. that. I love that, yeah. and that's why like you think about somebody like Nardward. You know what I'm saying? That's why he's such a gem in in in, in the hip hop space, man. Because obviously, you know, aside from he looks like a goofy cat, but the dude does his homework. He makes it an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I pride myself in doing as well is making this an experience. Because yo, artists go through each press cycle, maybe doing fifteen to twenty interviews at a time. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to make sure yours stands out and it's that special and memorable, not right. just to the artist but to the readers? Right. How do you, you know? draw them? How do you draw them in? How do you how do you make? Because mm-hmm. you have to make the person that you're interviewing comfortable. A thousand percent. You have to make them feel like they're okay. This is a safe space. This is not gonna. This is not a controversial interview. This is a safe space. You know. You, you know what's funny? What you're saying that like I. You know, thankfully, I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of cats in this game. And, you know, with the debut, you know, our latest episode this week with Busta, that was my first time ever interviewing Busta, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the cat, everybody on the debut I've interviewed before, the exception to Jeremiah. So I'll use him as an example, too. Like, but I'll use Busta here because of his status, you know, going into the interview. Um, I got on a call with Buster and his team and Bust because Bust wanted to talk about, you know, how the show was gonna go. Right. And I never had that before. You know what I'm saying? In any capacity, you know, going into an interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. It's different. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting on the phone with Buster Wobbs. You know, and, and the thing about what we do is we still are fans at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I gotta maintain my fandom and composure and in some way sell him on why the show is going to be a success. Right. And I remember getting on the phone with him and breaking down the essence of the show. And, you know, the night comes, he, one of the few artists to arrive before me in general, when it comes to interviews, he was there early. Mm -hmm. He tells me to come to his table where he's eating. 
you know, I give him the rundown again. And that's probably the most nervous I've been in a while because really like, and I say that because, you know, I, again, I never interviewed him before Mm -hmm. and he's such a revered MC. You want to make sure you do the catalog, right? Right. You do him right. You know, as far as, um, the questions you're asking, mm-hmm. and man, that was easily the best episode today. And I remember at the end of it, you know, he hugged me, and he's like, "Yo, I gotta thank you, man. Like, I knew you were a beast with what you do, but the the research, the line of questioning, uh, yeah. you really, you you delivered something special here. Yeah. And and that's that's what I do it for, you know. Right. At the end of the day, when it comes mm-hmm. to just the journalism that we do, is to make sure every thing is hard hitting. And I and, and I say that to all journalists across the board. No matter who you interviewing, no matter the story you doing, you know, um, it could be a news post, it could be an interview, it could be a review, it could be a, a podcast episode. No matter who it is, whether they're following is big or small, because your name is on it, treat it like it's your life. Mm-hmm. Like your, your your byline is your currency, man. Man, yeah. Yeah. I mean that then they respect that. Like when you do research they, yeah. res- they they give you that extra respect. It's like, yo, you really did your research on this. Yeah, because you if if these cats can put so much care right. into making albums and music that we love and appreciate, it's only right that we reciprocate the energy back. Yeah. On the interview front. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you want it you want it to happen as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. And I've had the I've had like I was supposed to interview, I think Iggy Azalea at one point, yeah. but then that whole contra- there's a controversy that happened with her. But I was already in contact with her team mm-hmm. prior to all of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it had been months. And I always, I always go, I always touch base back. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very persistent on touching base. Yo, is is Iggy available this time? Is Iggy available this time? Is it? And then when that whole, I, I forgot which controversy it was. Uh, I think it might have been the Playboy Cardi controversy. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck, I can't reach back out to them because they're going to think it's going to be about this. Mm-hmm. But my intention wasn't that. My intention was to cover her career, her, you know, who she is and mm-hmm. how she came to be. But so if I were to go back to the email, they're going to be like, no, she's not available because they're going to think he's going to talk about the Playboy Cardi thing. Right. And you know what it is? is because most of the time, unfortunately, they these cats have been scarred before. <laughs> Right. You know, and burn before. And it has nothing to do with your journalism skills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just the media in general. Because, again, a lot of cats go for the clickbaity stuff and it it, it, it sucks, you know, but mm-hmm. there are real credible journalists out there who do who do the work and, mm-hmm. you know, put care into right. their interviews. And, you know, that's not to say either that the, these same journalists don't ask the hard questions. You know, it's all about delivery. Right. You know, I feel like you could still ask the hard questions, but it's all about how you deliver, deliver it. Deliver it. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, it's very... Because I remember you were talking to the baby about the controversial stuff and mm-hmm. but the way you delivered it, it wasn't like in your face. Right, right. You, you kind of just smoothed it in with two, three words. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that I was like, okay, he smoothed it in there. Like he smoothed that shit right in there. And I was like, that's years of experience right there. No, nah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's again treating things with care, right? And I've always been intentional about like when it comes to asking the hard questions. 
what I do, a trick I do is I always make sure it's at the end of the interview, you mm-hmm. know, because by this time, you know, the interview's already done. So regardless, even if I have the smoothest delivery, they hate the question, the job is done. The job is done. The yeah. job is done. They can't just get up and walk. I, if that's how you feel, interview's done. You know, so I always build, yeah, I build my, I build myself in the interview to the point of the comfortability of there. And then Mm -hmm. knowing that I need to ask the hard question, I'll leave it at the end to where they already settled in Mm -hmm. and the comfort is there Mm -hmm. to where they feel like, okay, you know, if I do want to answer it, I'll answer it. If not, okay. But at least on my end, I got the interview done for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's, what has, have you ever had like an awkward moment interviewing somebody? What's has been some, something, something awkward? Um, this is, and I learned, this is, it goes back to what I was saying. Um, this was, I always say this, tell the story. This was very, very early on, Mm -hmm. um, in my career. This was maybe my third interview of my career. I was 19 and I had interviewed Jim Jones and, you know, this was around the time he was beefing with Jay. Ooh, Okay. Yeah, when balling and all that, and Kingdom, Jay came back. Kingdom done days, yeah. yeah Jay came back, did the Brooklyn balling and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I went into the studio to go interview Jim. And, you know, I had some great questions, but I also had some questions that I knew, you know, he would be combative. And right. that was the case, you know, and... I remember one of the questions I asked, I was like, yo, you know, how you beefing with Ho, but you at the club singing his verses swagger like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that, and he got so fucking heated. And he was like, yo, who the fuck this little nigga right here? <laughs> this, little, this little motherfucker right here. Because I'm only 19 at the time. Like, the fuck you right. think you are? I can't be a fan of niggas. I can't just, if I want to sing a nigga's record in the club, I can't do that, even if I don't like the nigga. Right. And I was like, yo, in some cases, it's hypocritical. And, you know, 15 years later, I still applaud myself for asking that question, especially being a little snotty 19-year-old because mm-hmm. I knew, one, despite whatever fandom I have, despite whatever affiliation I have, certain questions need to be asked. The only thing that I did that I, that I did then that I, do, that I don't do now is like what I said. I remember asking that, inter- that question in the middle of the interview. Ooh, we still good. finished, but we still finished the interview. Right. But that riled them up. And um, I learned from there, yo, any controversial questions, just leave them at the end. And yeah, that's crazy. And that was like primetime Jim Jones. You have to mm-hmm. be really. But at the same time, you're also trying to make a name for yourself in mm-hmm. a way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That also comes into play as a journalist. It's like, how do, how do I make minds? Like, look at academics. You know what I mean? Academics mm-hmm. kind of build themselves a little bit through controversial interviews and controversial mm-hmm. comments and stuff like that. So, but how do you maintain a clean? I feel like that's the toughest part to be a journalist. How do I maintain clean, but also be relevant? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like Barbara, what was it? Barbara Walters. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Barbara Walters, like she can get away with any question because she's Barbara Walters, but she had to mm-hmm. build her self exactly. to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And it, you know, it, it takes work. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a, a, having a certain cachet, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to get yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. And, and people who interview with Barbara Walters, they, they walk in expecting controversial questions and then yeah they, they they're gonna get the hardball questions it's the same thing with oprah 
Yeah, you know, you, you're going to get those hardball questions. Yeah, and you're going to get that. I, I, I pride myself in, you know, being an interviewer that, yeah, I'm, you know, I can be buddy, buddy. But at the same time, I'm, I'm on a I'm on a job. Mm-hmm. I'm on a mission. Exactly. You know? well, what is a what is what's your favorite part about what you do? Like, what's the f- most favorite part? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easily the interviews, you know, right. um, that face to face interaction. Um, that those are moments that you can't trade. And I, I just remember when the pandemic happened, um, and we were, and we were in situations like right now, you know, I mean, thankfully now zoom, you could, I love zoom more than anything versus like phoners. You right. know, Cause if you, the one thing I used to hate about phoners, I feel like, you know, the color wasn't there. And, uh, mm. you know, now with zoom, you know, if you want to, you know, do a video interview, you can see the person and everything right. and you can get some color and I, I, what you get out of interviews, man, it's so substantial. And I'll give you an example. Like I remember I interviewed one of the jewels two years ago mm-hmm. at the height of the pandemic, at the height of George Floyd. And it was on zoom, you know, because still we weren't able to travel. Right. Um, everything, the mandates sky high. And I remember interviewing LP and Keller Mike talking about the George Floyd situation. And I remember I, I asked LP a question and it was so hard hitting to where he ended up breaking down crying on the Zoom mm. and in front, of, in front of Mike and everything. And, you know, those that interview itself, like I don't think about it enough, but that interview itself is like, a, it, it should be on my highlight reel mm. just because of the emotional toll and you know the climate that we were in at that time right, and yeah. and you know run the jewels four was such a fucking heater um and still still freaking you know she could could um catastrophe to me that these cats weren't nominated for a grammy but knowing that i was able to pull that emotion and get that color on zoom you know knowing that you know i probably wouldn't have got that on the phone right uh, that, that was a gem within itself. Yeah. yeah, I mean those those are like peak moments, man. George Floyd, pandemic. So yeah, man. I mean Sheesh. the pandemic, man. It, it it was such a rough time. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, with us losing lives and just the bullshit that came with it. But you know, from a career standpoint, I always say, man, that's where I really elevated my game, and it right. it goes back to what I was saying. You know, as far as the Nas being able to reinvent yourself. And, and, you know, being able to adjust to the times. Like, I, I found my groove and, you know, I, I gained more recognition from my, from my brand and my interview style. And, you know, we were all living on Zoom interviews. Like, a lot of my interviews went viral, mm-hmm. you know, and people who may have not known me, that's how they became to yeah. know of me during, you know, my Zoom interviews. And, a lot of people, they may have known my byline, but now they're able to put a face to who the writer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, and I've always said, I, I, I got a shit ton of personality. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I, and I make sure to show that in my writing, but, you know, I really highlight, it's really highlighted and showcased in my interviews. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, 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 the pandemic also kind of made us sit down and kind of watch these interviews a little bit closer because all we had was time now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I, 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 as I mentioned to you, I pride myself in being a student, you know, right. and 
I was watching cats like Elliot. I was watching cats like Speedy who were thriving in the Zoom space. You know, and this was very, very early on. Oh, yeah. And I remember telling my team, yo, we got to start doing Zoom interviews. You know, because they, it was still cats trying to still figure it out a little bit. Right. But they were the only two that had put out like a couple interviews on, mm-hmm. on that scale. And man, you'd be surprised. Like I remember freaking Jamie Foxx told me, yo, bro, like some of the interviews I've been doing, I've been watching them. Like they've been fucking fired. I'm like, this is fucking Jamie. What the fuck Jamie, Jamie Foxx? Fox, yeah. <laughs> watching my fucking interview. Yeah. And yeah. I, a few days before that, I remember talking to Khaled and Khaled was like, yo, Carl, man, I've been seeing what you've been doing with your fucking interviews. You've been going off. You've been, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't even realize, man, I, I don't care about how many people see my shit. It's who's watching my shit. Who's watching, yeah. You know, like I, I think about Nip um, and I remember, you know, his last show in New York at, at Urban Plaza 2018 and I had a, interviewed Nip already and we had developed some other friendship and you know it, it, it still it still fucks with me to this day like i have a painting i'm looking at it right now of me and him um in my house and him kind of anointing me as uh, that as that next journalist to to really to blow me, he's like yo yeah. you're you gonna be that you're gonna be that elliot and i and you know i'm like ah, right, you talking shit like you know what i'm saying yeah i appreciate like you know, you gassing me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when he started breaking it down, it's like, yo, bro, the questions you've asked, I've been seeing what you've been doing. I've been reading your shit. That's why I say it's not about how many people see your shit. It's who sees your shit. Who sees it, yeah. Quality. Over quality. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that that hits different. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? When people appreciate your work and, and the nuances, you know, that, that reminds you of why you go so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, because I remember when I first started my podcast, um, Elliot Wilson started following me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was like, Elliot fucking Wilson. Yeah. Like, wait a yeah. minute, how the fuck does he know about me? Like, could I'm it saying. be, could it be from my interviews or could it be that I tweet a bunch of stuff that he does? And then his page got taken away mm-hmm. and he became, he had another new page. The Elliot Wilson, the goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. he follows me on this page and I'm like, yo, like, Where's the trick here? Is it something's happening nah, here? He pays attention, man. L shout out to L, man. He's he's one of those motherfuckers, man. Like and and but that's what makes him great. You know what right. I'm saying? You you have to be aware. And it's also a competitive thing. Like mm-hmm. you have to be aware of your surroundings and who's coming up and what they're doing. You know, because the greats did it. Jordan did it. Kobe Facts, did it. LeBron yeah. does it. You know what I'm saying? Because it makes you also want to polish your shit up, but I'm also sure that he saw what you were doing and admired it from afar. I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. Boom. I I, I want right. to keep a keep an close eye on him. Yeah, keep yeah. Close eye on him. Yeah. And so I'm just like, till this day, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Elliot's like, wait a minute. This yeah, is something. I must be doing something here. Then I'm like, you know what? Something's clicking. Let's keep doing it. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And then so it just it keeps working and working and working. And with the Nipsey thing, I regret, like we mentioned earlier about like going to an event and then being able to, you know what, I'm not going to go to this event, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nipsey was doing the Crenshaw, Crenshaw store opening. Mm. And it was like, I think it was like the collaboration, something like that. And I was like, and I lived in LA at the time. Mm-hmm. And this was months before Nipsey passed. And then I got invited to go to that. And I was like, nah, I'm a pass on that. Like, you know, whatever. 
And till this day, I regret not going and not, you know, meeting him in person, and, you know, and like, fuck, because he passed away like months later. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, what's crazy. You can't, it's tough. And I feel you on that. But, you know, I, I, I try not to let those regrets, right. you know, eat away at me. Right. You know, because there's so many of those, you know what I'm saying? You would, you would just drown in regret if you, if right. you added it all up. Yeah. So it's rest in peace, Nip. And yeah, but yeah, like it's, you, people pay attention, especially social media. Like going back to Elliot, people pay attention. You never know, you never know who's watching. And I'm like, I started doing reels, like funny reels, like funny video mm-hmm. reels. And then mm-hmm. like Sugar Shane Mosley, like liked one of my posts. And I was That's like, tough. where the fuck did this guy come from? That's like, tough. That's like, tough. Yo, the algorithms are kicking in. Keep doing it. You never, it's, yeah. uh, and, uh, and I learned something where like explore new talents, no matter what. Yeah. No, you'd be surprised, man. Like, Especially, like you said, with Instagram, man, these reels are like a moneymaker, man, in terms right. of your reach going further than just the, the regular post now. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I started rapping again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I I had first started rapping, like, middle school, you right. know, and I would do little mixtapes here and there, but nothing, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing like, mm-hmm. you know, crazy production, but you know, I, I started getting that itch around like 2018, 2019. And I remember I was like, yeah, I, I, I want to rap, but I was like still timid because I was trying to make sure I just started a billboard that I had solidified my standing as a journalist. Right. But I was credible enough to, mm-hmm. I was credible on one side to where if I want to delve into rap, I won't be taken as a joke. Right. So I wanted to make sure my journalism shit was bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And you know, shout out to Rob Markman. You yes. know, my, my my brother Rob, he um encouraged me and pushed me to step out of my comfort zone and, you know, start rapping and I go I'm I'm about to go full circle with this back to the reels like or videos. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I put out a freestyle. Um and I forget to which beat, but I did a freestyle. Uh I, I feel like it was some Drake shit. And I, the amount, I remember the amount of love I got for it. And everybody's like, oh, word? Yeah. <laughs> like, word? Like, oh, oh, so you you really a beast with the pen all across the board. Board, and yeah. Like, I had I had people like Royce the 5'9 hit me. Mm-hmm. Freaking Kevin Lyles hit me. Like, oh, word? This is what we doing? Like, uh, uh, let me find out, you know. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And it goes back to what I was saying. You just never know. You never know, yeah who's watching so you can't yeah. be fearful right of, yeah. of, of what people may say and i mean i mean like i mean one talent can bring can bring like for example like i started off as a as an actor you mm-hmm. know i went to new york film academy That's and, you know what i mean as an actor and then i moved to la and then i was like nah fuck like i got drawn into making music i got drawn to making beats mm-hmm. and then i ended up meeting ski beats Mm, that's dope and then he mentored me currency and all that yeah 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 i mean jay-z and he Mm -hmm. was just like yo come to yonkers you know what i mean like let me let me know let me let me school you on the machine let me school you on the ableton let me school you on Mm, this and that and i'm 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 an ableton guy i love it i'm an ableton kid Mm -hmm. and i i went to go meet him and he was telling me tons of stories about currency tons of stories about like the jay situation like 
bunch of stories. And then after a while, I was like, all right, I moved back to LA. And then my friend was like, yo, uh, let's find a director or some sorts and let's like do some, let's do like a, a little film or something. Let's write a film or something like that. And I was like, why the fuck do we need a director? Like, let me go to mm. Best Buy really quick. Buy a fucking camera and let's do this there shit ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting on nobody. And I was hungry at the time. I was like, I'm starting to build traction through ski. I'm trying starting to build traction. So I was like, yo, fuck it. Like, he's going to notice this. You know what I mean? He's going to notice that I'm multifaceted. He was my mentor mm-hmm. at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, it was like a show and prove type of thing. You know what I mean? And then photography was born. Mm. and that kind of just built everything up it's like yo like you do acting you do music producing you do photography and then the got, pandemic got a whole bag on you yeah. right you know what i mean and then it's like pandemic happened like all right fuck like everyone's staying still how do i continue to make connections how do i how do i continue to get let all this creativity out podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's start a podcast okay but mm-hmm. what's your podcast about because everybody has a podcast mm-hmm. i was like fuck it let me do people behind the scenes mm. there you go and then it just picked up from that but people already knew me as the photographer like mm-hmm. wait a minute you're the photographer you have a podcast too it's like yeah it goes back to it goes back to what you were saying like wait a minute you do that too like wait a minute let yeah. me find out Mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it's it's always good to like I always lead like when people are like what do you do I'm a photographer but I also have a podcast and mm. then in the midst of the conversation I'm like yo but I also do acting yeah it's that versatility man that yeah. you know it's gonna open up so many doors doors you yeah know? Um, like the project I put out in 2020 uh, I, I titled it Shut Up and Write and it was after um, that Shut Up and Dribble situation mm-hmm you know, and I still live by that. You know, I have shut up and write tatted on my on my bicep. Mm-hmm. You know, because nice. a lot of people would, a lot of people love just boxing you in and telling you what you can do and what you can't can do. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the shut up and dribble, like you can't talk politics, just shut up and shoot the ball, or like you can't rap, just shut up and do your stories. Nah, like. I, I wasn't designed just to be, you know, good at one thing or I just have one love. You know, why not try different things out and shit? If you fail, you fail. But like I said, it's that what if always lingering in the back of your mind. Why not give it a try? Why not give it a try? Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if a no is if you tried and you failed, you still tried. But if That's you never tried, yeah. if you never tried, it's always going to be a no. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, I went back to acting in 2019. Wow. You know what I mean? The dude was like, my one of my active, my friends was like, yo, I'm doing this um, this short film. My actor backed out, but I remember you did acting because we went to the same school. He gave me the script and it was the day Nipsey died. I did that scene. Wow. That same day Nipsey died. Wow. Picked up the script and I was like, okay, I get what the character wants. I get that. All of these reflexes kicked in. From what mm-hmm. I learned, it was like, doop, 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 doop. And then the dude asked me, he was like, yo, when's the last time you acted? I was like, shit, six years ago? And this was 2019. He was like, six years ago? And he was like, yo, like, you still have it. And I was like, you know what that, you know why that is? It's because I don't think about it anymore. I'm not as nervous anymore about this. I was more nervous to take photos as a photographer. But as an yeah. actor, I was like, I got this. It's, it's also that how much care, how much care you put in because sometimes when you put too 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 much care you st- you st- kind of stumble because you're mm-hmm. nervous 
Of course. Of course. But when those reflexes started kicking in. It was like game over. Yeah, it's like riding a bike. It was like, yo, and then I was like, yo, I, I need to go back into this. And then pandemic happened. I was like, fuck. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you you it's good to have multiple multiple things in your bag for sure because you never know who you run into in an event in an event that yeah, might be looking fine. for something or someone for a certain yo I need this and this oh I could do that really like you could do that yeah I'll do that right there. Thousand percent. No, I agree. That versatility it, it it allows you to you know go in so many directions mm-hmm. and go in different avenues, man and. Even if you think of from a financial perspective, you know, I, yeah. I, I live I live by the whole if you're able to have multiple hustles, you do know, it. and generate yeah, and generate more than one income, do it a thousand percent, a thousand yeah. times over. Because mm-hmm. I mean royalties and residuals are, are another that's another mm-hmm. thing. That's exactly. another that's another conversation. Exactly. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, I have these ten rapid questions that I got from inside the actor studios. Okay. As I honor its host, James Lipton. Um, the first question is, what is your favorite word? Facts. <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite word? No. What turned you on in life? Ambition. What turns you off in life? Laziness. What sound or noise do you love? Waves. What sound or noise do you hate? Cats. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm allergic your... to. <laughs> oh, that's probably okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Typical, yeah, that's a typical New York, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Teaching. What profession would you not like to do? Uber. Mm. And the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? My nigga. (laughs) (laughs) There you are. Kind of like a Denzel thing. Exactly. Just in that voice. Just that's exactly what I'm saying. Nice. Jesus is Denzel in your mind. That's that's dope. <laughs> yeah, man. Not training day, Denzel. Just just that. Just that. Just that one yeah. I mean, I mean right he, there, yeah. he did it in American Gangster. My man. My man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll take for the cleaner version because it's God. Of course, I'll take my man. I'll my take man. that. Yeah, I'll take the, my yeah. Man. It's like when you did that, I was like, man, he still got that. Alonzo went on in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs and where can they follow you on the socials? Yeah, man. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you for thank you, you know, inviting me to your podcast, man. Great questions, great journalism at hand. Appreciate um, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to, you know, definitely Drea, my manager. Um, you know, executive producer of the debut live. Shout out to the whole debut live team. Shout out to my Billboard team. Um, you guys can find me at the Real CL two four on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I got I got a TikTok, but I'm still like trying to figure <laughs> my life out on that. I want to say it's the same handle. I'm pretty sure it is, 
but yeah i'm, I'm mainly on uh instagram and twitter at the real cl24 mm-hmm. yep and shout out to drea for making this interview happen and uh yeah all right guys this is another episode of the mar and ham show featuring carl lamar peace peace